This is the Doctor. President-elect of the High Council of Time Lords. I am definitely a madman with a box. Anyone for Jelly, baby? I'm the Doctor. I'm 904 years old. I'm from the planet Gallifrey in the constellation of Castabras. Hey, who fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And we're at episode 79. 79. That was a creepy one today, mate. <laughs> it was a bit. It creeped me out a little bit, actually. Yeah. Are you in villain mode? Yeah, I think I must be. Yeah. <laughs> 79. I'm saving the Wahoo for the big 100, you see. Oh, the big one. Yeah, I'm saving it. Which we're rapidly approaching, by the way. That's what I was thinking, yeah. We're going to blow the speakers with that one. That's coming around very quick, scarily quick. I know, yeah. yeah. But let's do 79 first. All right, let's do that one. Yeah. Let's do that one. I want that one. <laughs> I thought you were turning into Kermit. <laughs> yeah. I can't do I'm Kermit. <laughs> <laughs> Make me Miss Piggy, that's worrying. <laughs> so I hope you guys have had a fantastic week. Doing whatever it is you Who fans do. Mm, what do they do? Between episodes, what do you do? Mm. We know what a few of you do through your vlogs and blogs and other ogs, mm-hmm. <laughs> grams, As, tweets. Actually, I see, I see a lot of people have been watching a lot of classics, which is great. Because I know people were saying, oh, when the show is off air, I'm going to start hitting all the classics hard. And it's one of those things, that, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> But I see a lot of people are, which is great. I see those people watching a lot of um, a lot of the black and white that I've been chatting to recently, which is which is brilliant. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I love that. They're gonna they're gonna hit the classics hard. Yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> uh, cool. Yes, it's um, I I do hope we've been we've not inspired, but we've we've encouraged people to watch more of the classic stuff because um, the the last review that we did of the Hartnell, you know, the War Machines. Mm. That's such a cracking episode. Um, so if you guys have gone on to watch that or any other Hartnell or Trout and stuff, the old black and white stuff, uh, then that's really good. Yeah, yeah. It's I know thing. certainly um, one person who definitely did. Um, you know Matthew Rowney, one of our listeners. He, he often leaves an audio comment. His girlfriend Liv has been really getting into classic stuff and she watched the War Games recently and loved it. And I was chatting to her in a group chat. And she was like, what shall I watch next? And I was like, War Machines, watch the War Machines. And she loved it. So <laughs> I was really pleased as well because, you know, when you love an episode and you tell someone to watch it and then you're sort of waiting, thinking, all right, they don't come back and say, no, wasn't, wasn't that good or, you know, didn't like it. Yeah. So, but no, she loved it. So I was really pleased about that. Oh, superb. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, always, uh, it's always good. Uh, rewinding time and going back to the black and white years. Yes, and it seems to be a lot more um, appreciation for Hartnell as well, which I like, because I always think he gets uh, not forgotten about or hard time, but I mean, he gets a bit bit of a bad press, Hartnell. He always comes sort of low in the favourite Doctor rankings and all that sort of stuff. So yep. I'm glad people are um, liking Hartnell a bit more at the minute from what I hear, which is good. It and is you good. can't beat doing that like you've just done with the lapels. <laughs> you know, can't <laughs> beat a bit of grumpy Hartnell. Actually, one of our listeners sent us the... Um, the first episode of the savages 
Because you know we were talking last week about how we wonder what happens next with Polly oh, and Ben yes. getting the TARDIS. Yes, yeah. Um, obviously, because the episode doesn't exist, but there's a telly snap with the audio uh, version that someone... Oh, gosh. Um, was it Peter Addison? Oh, I feel really bad now that I've forgotten who sent it to me. Because I have been chatting to quite a few people this week. But, um, yeah, it was really great. I watched it, and uh, I thought I was just going to watch the first few minutes because I just wanted to literally know what the doctor does when they first go in. Right. Um, and he didn't disappoint. He does go mad. I don't, have you watched it? No, not yet. You, you've got to watch it. It's, it's so funny. He does go <laughs> mad. He's like, what are, what are you doing in this ship? And he's really kicking off. And then um, he's sort of de- he's delighted when they step out and they're, they're on another, you know, in another time. And they can't believe it. And they're, they're like, take us back, take us back. And he's, he's <laughs> loving it. He's like, no, I can't control the ship. <laughs> you know, and all this. And he's like, you're, you're stuck here now. It's your own fault. Oh, well, uh, so he's proper, proper he's Hartnell grouchy. Off. I loved it. So I, was, I thought I was just going to watch the first few minutes. I ended up watching the whole episode because I normally struggle with the telly slap. So I can't, I find I zone out really, really quickly. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I actually ended up watching the whole thing because I was just so engrossed by it. Because I tell you, I'm loving Hartnell at the minute. He's really great, am. isn't he? He is great, yeah. So um, I'm just flicking through to see if I can find out who it was. Yeah, it was Peter Addison. Uh, thank you, Peter, for that. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I'll have to give that a listen. I haven't listened to it yet. Yeah, I'll send you the link. It's well worth watch, uh, watching, listening, whatever. Yeah, it's like telly snaps with the audio duds over it. It's, yeah, well worth watching. I think you'll crack up at the start. I was. <laughs> I was loving it. Oh, cool. Good times. So that's good times. You been up to anything else, Birdie? Uh, yeah, yeah, the busy weekend. Busy weekend. I went to the Phantom event in Chiswick, uh, which was which was a cyber spectacular. Yes, um, but it also had so it had lots of Cybermen, um, and it also had a few people from the Tom Baker story robot. Um, and it was a great day. I, I had to because there are some Cybermen that I know what they look like out of costume, like David Banks, Cyber yeah. Leader. Yeah. I know what he looks like, so that's cool. But there were a few. Um, Sort of like the cyber leader in, um, no, what's it? Revenge and, and that, you know, where I was thinking, okay, I know what the Cyberman looks like, don't know the person. Right. So I had to print off the sheet with all their names on so that I could look at the Cyberman ha- helmet and look at the head and think, yeah, right, that's him. So I did that. It was a great day. Mark Strickson was there. He played Turlo. Um, he was very nice. I had a good little chat with him. And um, th- there was also the K1 robot, you, you know, K1? that big thing in, in, in robots. In robot, yep. Um, Michael Kilgareth, I think his name is, um, absolutely lovely man, giant of a man. He also played the cyber controller in Tomb of the Cybermen as well. Cool, cool. Um, so yeah, absolutely brilliant day of very, very much geeked out with other fans in the queues. Um, there was a guy there that got this book and it was signed by every single classic companion. Wow. Apart from Mark Strickson, who was there that day. So he's like, I'm finally going to get his autograph and finally I will have every single so I was just stood there looking at all the amazing signatures he'd got in this book while we queued for him to complete it so that was cool uh, so yeah it was a really really good day yeah I hope I haven't pronounced Michael's name wrong because I'm so bad with names aren't we bad people, people are yeah. I'm just thinking of people screaming at me, it's not Michael Kilgariff but it, yeah <laughs> the, the, the K1 robot absolutely fantastic great day it was oh nice yeah, one so that's, that's been a... pretty much me you know, i spent i've spent a fortune but I had a great time uh, yeah it's a cool little venue as well in chiswick it was it was yeah it's it's very small very intimate um quite relaxed uh, i mean the photo studio was good i mean you know there's a few of us in there with mark strickson and um yeah yeah it's very good they're doing another one in towards the end of march and they got jago and lightfoot going 
And <clears throat> I cannot wait for that now. I'm absolutely buzzing to get a photo of those two. Yeah, cool. So, yeah, great little event. How about you, buddy? You've been swanning off around the world. Swanning off, yeah. Well, sort of. Sort of, yeah. Just had a, a mini vacation, like a, a, a post-Valentine's break, if you like, mm. uh, over in Toronto, Canada, which is really nice there. Uh, so that was very good. Um, managed to watch some Doctor Who in the hotel room. <laughs> oh, no. I bet your wife loves you, but she's like, oh, not well, that again. <laughs> I found it by accident. You know, it's not my yeah. fault. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I did manage to bag. You probably saw it on, on Instagram and Facebook. I did manage to bag the uh, the the Pop Funko, the 10th Doctor Regeneration limited edition, glow in the dark, 10th mm. Doctor one. It's awesome. Uh, and I was I was thinking to myself, <laughs> this is really bad. On on the way before we went, I was thinking. Uh, I wonder if uh, wonder if Canada will have that, you know, because it is like North America. It is that region? So I thought. Yeah. Well, I wonder if. Uh, yeah. So I I I'm not going to say that I spent a lot of my time looking around shops for it, <laughs> um, but I did see it on the last day I was there because I am. Oh really? On the yeah, last day? Yeah, because I'd looked oh. for it before then and couldn't see it anywhere. Um, and I went to this really good comic book shop. Um, which I've mentioned on the show before, and they didn't have it in there, and I was a bit gutted. Um, and then on the last day, we was we was in the, the main uh, shopping centre there, and I know that this is a GameStop exclusive, but they had a different video game store there called EB Games, and I thought, let me just have a look in here, because I wasn't going to go in there anyway, because none of the games would work in the UK, so I didn't plan on going in there. And uh, they had like 10 of them. They had, oh, really? They had, yeah, they had 10 of them just stacked oh. up by the till, and I was like... Yep, absolutely, absolutely. And it was a really good price as well. I think it was only, in British pounds, it was only like 11 quid or something like that. Brilliant. I must admit, when you when I saw you post a picture, I was incredibly jealous. I was like, guys, gone all the way to Canada to get that. <laughs> um, but, but but no, it's brilliant. You, you've wanted that one ever since they announced it, you? As soon as they yep. announced that one, you were like, oh, got to get it, yep. got to get it. So yeah, very good. It's yeah. really good in the Ninth Doctor's clothes. It just, and it does glow in the dark a little bit. I, I, it's not going to mm. be like, wow, we need to put a towel over it or anything, but <laughs> it, it does glow up a little bit, which is good. I was going to ask you that because I've got two or three... Funkos that are supposed to glow. I think I've got an adipose glow in the dark. Oh, that one. Yep. Um, and um, what's the other one I've got? I think I've got a glow in the dark Emperor from Star Wars. Okay. Um, but neither of them glow that well. And yet I've got a tiny key ring of the adipose that glows, which l- lights up like a beacon if I turn it on. Yeah. <laughs> they, I don't know. They, um, are you supposed to charge them up? My, my other half said, why don't you leave it in the sun for an hour? And I, I was like, yeah. I, don't know, I don't know. I was thinking that. I was thinking about leaving it on the windowsill. Mm, just to get work? plenty of natural light to charge it up, like you say. But mm. I'm not sure. I, I don't want it to fade, though. That's the only thing. Because these things can yeah. fade if you leave them in direct light. For I think you have to do that for months and months. But anyway, it's um, it does glow a little bit, but not as much as you the thought. the um the initial promo images would make you think. No, no, that's yeah. right. Yeah, because it looks like the ready break. Yes, on yeah. The, on the uh, on the promo image, yeah. Yeah, it's a great uh, little figure, though. Love it. Um. So next on the list is the K9 mm. limited one. That's uh, that looks really cool. You can pre-order that from Forbidden Planet International now. Yes, yes. So that's going to be uh, we've got some we've got a few pre-orders on it. We've got um, the Spearhead from Space Steelbook. Oh yeah, that's going to yeah. be a good one. Um, it's be coming out. Yes, yeah, March isn't it? I believe. Yeah, yeah, got some big finish on pre-order. Um, the Tenant Adventures. 
Uh, looking forward to those later this year. Very much so, yeah. Um, got something else in pre-order. Can't remember. There is another steelbook. I don't know if you ordered it. The Series Nine steelbook. Oh yes, I haven't ordered that. You have, haven't you? I've ordered pre-ordered it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I like the look of that one. Change my mind on that now. Mm. Might have to get that. Ah, yeah. More cash. More cash. To the it beep. depends how bothered you are about it. I mean, I know BBC Shop did an amazing twenty-five percent off on Monday, yes. and uh, I saw lots of people saying that they had cancelled their pre-orders that they dead place for series nine so they could reorder it with a 25 percent off because i mean that, that made it you know mm. quite a good price as you can imagine so yeah yeah i'll tell you what else is really good on the bbc shop oh yeah um, was the david tennant years box set did you see that really was, good yeah 25 quid yeah 99 pounds yeah. down uh um our good friend uh tom Dix uh, sent me a screenshot last night he was he was uh he, he ordered that um <laughs> It's a nice looking box set. I mean, I, I looked at it. I didn't buy it because I've got them all. And I think I've got them all twice because I've got it on DVD and Blu-ray. But it is nice. It's a nice box set. You know, is, the actual yeah. packaging is really good. It's really good. And um, uh, Tom being a, a student and a, you know, a struggling student, as, as they all are these days, mm-hmm. he was like, nah, sod it. I had to get it. <laughs> so, you know, that's the, um, that's the commitment that Who fans go through yeah. to fund <laughs> You know, because yeah, I, I was reading an article the other day that um, uh, with Stephen Moffat, I don't know if it's really old or if I've only just seen it, but uh, he was saying that with the B kind of slashing budgets year after year, um, they do actually actually rely quite heavily on the sales of merchandise to, um, you know, to bump the budget up a little bit. Yeah. So we're, it's a good thing that we're contributing to the show. Yeah, look at it as funding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All of us that buy all this stuff, it's uh, we're, we're, we're giving back. It's a hell of a set, though, isn't it? Because it's like it's got everything. everything. It's this whole lot, isn't it, in one box? Yeah. For 25 yeah. quid, that is pretty good. So, so yeah, Tom, console yourself. Like Gary says, that it was you're actually helping fund the show. That's Never it. mind your student loan. There, <laughs> there's always a rational reason for justifiable <laughs> who purchases. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I like that idea. Yeah. 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 So, so we... Canada. Yeah. So, yeah, Canada was awesome. Thank you very much. Um, there was a, a, a huge cosplay event on as well while while I was there. Oh, really? Again, that was on the last day. So we left on uh, Saturday evening. But um, when we went down to the hotel, uh, the lobby in the morning, the place was absolutely full up with, with cosplayers. I don't know what event was on, but oh, wow. there was literally hundreds of them. And we saw loads of them like um, out in the... Um, the subway system and all sorts. So um, I was thinking of following them and see what was going on. But you know, was it I, like general? Was it Star Wars, Doctor Who? What was it? A bit of everything. It was a bit of well. It was mainly like um, like uh, Japanese anime, oh, okay. uh, manga type of stuff. But I did see like Star Wars bits and um, some other comic book. There's some Batmany things and stuff like that. Oh yeah. And um, yeah, so I was thinking of following them and seeing what event it was, but. I couldn't turn the trip into just a geek fest, <laughs> no, you know, yeah. as much as I wanted to. But um, so, yeah, and that kind of closed it off nicely, really. So calendar was really good. Um, and then since then, I've just been like, I've obviously watched our review episode a couple of times. Mm. And uh, and that's it, really. Well, what was the classic you were watching out while you were out there? Um, it was. Um, no, it wasn't a classic. No, it oh. was. Um, it was a Matt Smith. Uh, I think it was. What's the title of the episode with the with the spacesuit, the Pandora? It was. Um, well, the Matt the, Smith episode. Yeah. What What's the series the opener with the spacesuit and the little? 
You know the one I'm talking about. The impossible, the impossible astronaut. Yes, of yes. course. Oh, okay, right. We're yeah. really bad with, <laughs> no, no. with remembering titles. But yeah, it was it was that. And then uh-huh. I'm not sure if they were going through the series like they do with with Watch, like the Watch channel here. Right. Um, they tend to go through the series in order. Um, but yeah, I think I missed like the first two minutes, but then watch the rest. So. Well, it sounds like a, a very nice Valentine's trip that masqueraded as a as a geek fest or the other way around. <laughs> yeah, I, I did manage to get a bit of geekery well, in there, but yes. as you do. Well planned. Yeah, you, I would have let you guys down if not. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah sounds good. Shall we land this old bugger and do the news? Yeah, let's get the TARDIS down. Let's do some news. Right, first up, this is pretty good. Um, So BBC Worldwide um, run this event. Um, I'm I'm assuming it's yearly, uh, called the BBC Worldwide Showcase event, um, which is essentially um, like a a trade kind of fair um, for all of the different um, channels and distributors around the world. So it's a chance for the Beeb to, in a nutshell, just sell on like their shows, so that other channels in other countries can show them. Oh, right. um, it's a bit like going to a um, a convention. You know, all like the, the the stalls and all the trade halls and stuff. Yeah, it's a bit like going to a convention, but instead of buying pop funkos and t shirts, you're um, buying shows. <laughs> you're buying TV shows to show in your your country and stuff like that. So, mm. um, so the BBC Worldwide the showcase event they've released some figures and data, uh, and. The uh, uh, Doctor Who series one from New Who, the Eccleston series, um, is the most purchased drama oh. from BBC Worldwide. Wow. And um, it's uh, it's attract well, it's it's attracted over um, over six hundred buyers um, from countries all around the world. Mm. So places like, you know, uh, some countries in Europe, um, uh, China and Hong Kong. Um, and you know, just bags of different countries. Um, yeah, you know, have picked up the show to to broadcast in their in their respective countries. So um, that's a great achievement. I mean, because the the, the the amount of shows that the Beeb, um, you know, uh, serve up for other countries to to broadcast is quite a few. Oh yeah, you know, they. I, I'm I'm. I think it's pretty much most of all their drama series and entertainment and all that stuff. Mm. Um, get served up so um it's really good that you know doctor who is top of the list and is the most you know i wouldn't say well maybe it is sought after by these countries but certainly it's mm. been the most distributed which is really good yeah it is good yeah and i mean series one is it you know it's, it's a great you know when russell brought the show back you know i mean he had to sort of pitch it to appeal to new people as well as the old people uh, so it's a good starting jumping on point for any you know if someone's going to buy a series to sort of to get the show real you know, running. Yeah. So yeah, because because a lot of people I know sort of when was it Disney Channel uh, or whoever started showing it? They started from Tenant, didn't they? Completely missed series while it started with New Earth. I think it was yes. Disney. I forget yeah. now, but it was Disney and XD. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, and I always think I actually think um, series one is is 
you know, stronger, actually. I think Series 1's got some great stuff in it. Yeah. Whereas I think Series 2 uh, was still really good, but it had a, you know, it's a bit bit patchy, especially New Earth was a, was a not a particularly good starter. So, yeah, no, that's, that's brilliant. It's great that Dot 2's, you know, plowing on around the world. It so, is. Yeah. Just a little bit of context before we move on. Um, uh, Top Gear Series 9, um, which was broadcast a year later in 2006, um, uh, that was been purchased 282 times. Wow. So that's. So if you think about Top Gear, which is one of the most successful yeah. kind of factual entertainment category programs, um, which is a global audience as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, 200, 280 times that's been picked up for broadcast, whereas Doctor Who Series 1, 630 times. That is that, like you said, that is a great achievement. So, actually, good stuff. Mm, very good stuff. Okay, in other news, I got some sad news. I'm afraid. Um, John Rollison, uh, who was best known for playing Harold Chorley in The Web of Fear, he was the television journalist, you know, that was sort of doing the commentary and covering all the attacks and stuff. Has yeah. sadly passed away. Uh, he was born in 1931, and he passed away this year. So that's very sad. Yeah. Um, we always hate to report deaths in Doctor Who, but sadly, as it's been going for so long, it's it's inevitable, I suppose. Yes, 84. 84, Mr. yes. Mr. Rollison, yeah. And uh, he played a very good character, actually. He played it very annoyingly, mm-hmm. which I think um, was the in, the intention. The way that character was written was very... Yeah. Um, uh, it's, it's a great character because he's, he's kind of a cowardly, um, stubborn annoying sort of typical journalist of the times i guess yeah um he played it very well so sad news and um uh he was involved in some other tv bits wasn't he, he was coronation street for oh. a bit and uh zed cars softly softly yeah and he's wrote a little bit as well he's he did a bit of writing as well and um so yeah sad news but like you say it's been going for so long this this these things are inevitable so uh yeah was he one of the ones that, um, you know, because in the Web of Fear, they sort of, what I like about that is it becomes a bit of a sort of guessing game towards the end of who the, sp- uh, not spy, but, you know, who the sort of snitch is and that. And is, I think because that's, you know, you're saying his character's a bit um, annoying and stuff. I think it's that because he's he's sort of set up that you think, oh, I could be him, if I remember rightly. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. It, it does become a bit of a who 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 done it. Mm. Um, but yes, it does. It does a sort of lean your it does lean towards him for a time, but uh, yeah, he's he's really good in that, really, really good. And the Weber really? Fee is a great story as well. Oh, it is, yeah, one of yeah. the best from Classic Who. So, yes, John Wallison sadly passed away. Uh, lastly, up in the news, um, uh, this is great news for uh, for Canada fans. Canada talking about Canada a lot these days. Um, <laughs> uh, so as we know, there's been a bit of a there's been a bit of a kerfuffle. Oh, with uh, Netflix removing Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah, it hasn't gone down well, has it? No. So a few months ago, this kicked off now, where um, the uh, the license, uh, sorry, the contract that Netflix had with BBC or BBC America or BBC Worldwide, whoever it is, um, they chose not to renew with Netflix. So Netflix have mm. taken it off in the US already. Um, but it's still there in Canada at the moment. However, um, their new streaming service called Crave TV, um, when I say new, it's been around for a little while, but it's not as sort of popular and widely known as Netflix. Uh, They're going to pick up the contract and they're going to be streaming um, pretty much all of New Who um, as of uh, later on this year. 
Um, so um, series um, series nine uh, is going to be made available from June, July time, I think it is, mm. uh, and then the uh, the previous eight series from there they're all going to be on there by the end of the year. Oh, excellent! Um, and then series ten onwards um, will be on there after it's gone out live on the channel space, which is a great channel in Canada. Oh. I must admit, because um, when I the few times I've stayed there, that's the channel that's been on in my hotel room all the time. Is it? Yeah, space. Yeah, space yeah. is such a good channel. Ah. Um, so yeah, so they're going to they're going to put the the shows out, you know, as we do in the UK, and then shortly after that, it will go over to this new streaming service, Crave Crave TV. So good news for Canada fans. I'm not sure what's happening in the US yet. I don't know if Netflix are going to extend their contract or if it's going to go to somebody else. Um, there was news of the BBC developing their own digital streaming service, yeah, um, which I think is going to launch in the UK some point soon, but I'm not sure if that's going to go over to the US. I'm assuming it will. Yeah, I would have thought so. Yeah. But, uh, but yes, it's good that Doctor Who will be available to uh, everyone online, essentially. Yeah, I'm sure. And like you said, with the Netflix thing, I'm sure they'll sort out something. I mean, they're not just going to let it let it drop off. It's bound to be replaced at some point, isn't it, by some, some scheme? By some scheme, I would assume. Yep. Yeah. And yep. very handy for you for the next time you go to Canada. Of course, yeah. I, can I bet just, your partner's delighted. I bet she cannot wait to go back. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, all we do is sit in a hotel and watch this channel called Space. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> Does it have Red Dwarf on it as well? Um, I... I honestly don't know, mate. I don't oh, know what okay. they're for. I know you love your Red Dwarf. And I lo- yeah. no, 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 sorry. I mean Spaced. Does Spaced have it on? Um, I honestly don't know what their full oh. sort of programming schedule is, but they'd have loads of good stuff on there. I mean, I'm not a Trekkie, but they do have lots of uh, Star Trek on there, the next generation and uh, the classic Star Trek as well. I love the classic Star Trek. Yeah, they have um, Stargate and I think they even, put, they, they even do like these reruns or these repeats, sorry, of Firefly. Which, oh, um, yeah. which uh, I've never seen. Everyone always tells me I have to watch Firefly, but I've not seen it. But apparently it's very popular. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it's funny you say that, actually, because that just sprung to mind, actually, because um, James Wilson, the other half of Who Addicts Reviews, is, is one of our listeners. He, he absolutely adores Firefly. Right. And um, and I picked it up really, really cheap from FOP. I think it was like £5 for the whole set. Right. So he was saying it. Because like you said, everybody raves about it. Um, and I watched two or three episodes. I, I really struggled to get into it. Um, I don't know if I just wasn't in the mood. I, the thing is, I just get the whole way through, I just get thinking... Well, this is a this is a Blake Seven ripoff. This is just, you know Blake. I love Blake Seven, Blake. Um, <laughs> which it isn't actually. There is, there is so much more to it than that. I get it, but but um, yeah, I don't know. I haven't quite the Firefly bug hasn't quite grabbed me yet. Very but good. to be fair, I only watched a couple and kind of um, the box set has sat there ever since. But I, I I'll give it another go at some point because it is very much acclaimed, isn't it? The Firefly bug. Very Fire good. Fly bug. Oh yeah, I didn't even. Very good. <laughs> no, I've done that. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'll have to check it out. Apparently, it's very good. So, um, but yes, Crave TV, streaming Doctor Crave. Who next at some point this year. Good news, Canadians, eh? Yeah, Canada. Yeah, uh, right, we've got a new section coming up in the show. Yes. Which we're going to do right now. Um, reason is thus. Um, we chat to a lot. We chat to a lot of people every week about Doctor Who merchandise, and we um, follow several uh, sites and have our 
beady little eyes on all the bits that we want to pick up and stuff. So um, we thought we might as well just round up some of the cool merchandise stuff that we see that maybe you guys can then go and check out and pick up so that we can talk to you about how much money we're spending as well. Yeah. So, new section, Merch Corner. Merch Corner. Merch Corner. Merch Corner. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very pretty. Merch Corner. Merch, 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 merch corner. Yes. Merch. <laughs> 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 Merch Corner, right. First up, this is um this, this is for those of you that have heard of things like Loot Crate uh and the similarly uh packaged up thing that Zavi do called the uh, Z Box, is it? Yep. The Z Box. And yeah. I, then I think there's about half a dozen of these things that mm-hmm. that they're available now. I think Loot Crate started it all. And there's been some other ones. But there's one called um nerd block uh, yeah which is very good um again it's a u.s company but they do ship to the uk and um their next one their next box that's coming up in march um um you can choose uh, uh, a slightly different block per month and this one's called the sci-fi block um, and it's going to feature some doctor who items or a single item mm. um and it's like got the main headline for this for this month um uh, the main sort of hero image on the website for this is the TARDIS and Peter Capaldi and so on. Um, it will feature a couple of other things. Um, uh, there's some bits from The Fifth Element, which is a really good science fiction film from a few Great years film. ago. Yeah. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and uh, a few more bits. Um, so, yeah, I, this one actually looks uh, pretty good. Um, they you normally get to know what's in it? Is it or is it like a mystery box? Well, that's the good thing. You you right. kind of get a little bit of a an eye opener about it. Where right. with, with Loot Crate, they announce um, a theme for each month, um, but they don't actually tell you for obvious reasons what's going to be in the box. But with this one, they tell you the theme, but they also then tell you which franchise they're going to pick bits from. Right. Um, so I think there's half a dozen bits in here, but Doctor Who looks to feature quite prominently. So I'm not sure if it's going to be a T-shirt or a little collectible or a pop funk or whatever, but um, I'm actually li- I like the look of this one. Can you, you, you can't order them singly, though, can you? You have to subscribe to it, is that right? Or can you order them just one at a time? Or? Uh, no, you can. Oh, you can? Well, you, well there's, you can kind of get around that. You can subscribe right. to it, get and the first I'll one subscribe. and cancel it, yeah. I'm with um, you. But they do start from... Nineteen ninety nine plus shipping, mm. which is not too bad. It's not um, too bad, and I think you get about sixty dollars worth, roughly, of of stuff in there. Because uh, they did one uh, now; it's a, it a little while back they, where they had a Titan of Tenant, and it was like a four point five inch one. So it's a kind of very unusual scale because they normally do three inch or, or six point five, don't they? So it was like a, a Tenant, and they did three variations of it, which was a Nerd Block exclusive. Okay. And I know a lot yep. of people were just taking them out of the box and selling on ebay because i managed to get get one quite cheap actually um but that was that was very cool i mean it was a really nice little exclusive that you could only get in that box and because it was an unusual size titan as well it made it a bit different so if they do something like that again it'd be good yes it will be good and one of the t-shirts that they did previously was a really really good tardis t-shirt oh, right. it was basically um a technical drawing of the tardis that had like the panels ex- like sort of expanded oh, out and stuff I've like seen that. that yeah really good so nerd block um 
we'll we'll put the link obviously in the show notes and stuff. But um, yeah, you want to you want to select the the sci-fi block. Looks really good. Yeah, it does look good. Hopefully, better than that dreadful Zavi one yeah. um, <laughs> that I bought. Anyway, um, moving on to some other news in the merch section. This is something I, I've been checking this website every day pretty much since we went to the <laughs> Doctor Who Festival yeah. um, last year. Uh, Robert Harrop, Robert Harrop, um, they do these sort of figurines, these giant figurines. And um, there's a TARDIS one which they released just for Christmas, which is just stunning. I absolutely love it. Still haven't managed to afford it. But they've, they had some at the festival that we went to. Yes. Uh, the Yeti. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sutek. Yeah. The Zygon. Um, the Zygon. And they really looked great. Um, um, they had the, the Snowman as well, actually, which, is, which looks better because they weren't, they weren't featured that much, were they, in the actual episode? But they look good as a figure. Um, Scaroff they've got from City of Death. Um, yep. These figures... They, in the flesh, they looked fantastic, didn't they, Gary? Because they've done a couple of Doctors, which, I'll be honest with you, they haven't quite pulled off. They do the fourth and the third Doctor, um, which came out last year, and they're okay, but they don't quite look right. Do you know what Whereas, it is? It's, with the classic Doctors, it's the facial sculpt. It's the face, that, yeah, it's that's not the, quite right. It's not great. But these, these other figures we're talking about, because yeah. there are no human yeah. faces, um, they, they've gotten pretty much spot on. They have. They really do look good. And um, I've, I've got my eye on the Yeti. As I said, ever since I saw it, I've, I've been checking the website <laughs> to see when it was coming out. Unfortunately, I am broke at the moment. But it is it's a, it's a thing of beauty. It really looks great. And it's sixty nine ninety nine, And I assume there's postage on top of that. But it's a, it's a nice piece, isn't it, Gary? It what, looks, what are these yeah. actually made out of? I'm never quite sure. Because they're hand-painted, aren't they? They're hand-painted, yeah. They look fantastic. They're, um, I think they're made out of some kind of resin. Um, yeah, yeah, and um, they're, because they're hand painted, um, every single one of them is very slightly different. So it's not just like a production line where, you know, like the Pop Funkos, where everyone is you know identical. Yeah, um, it's uh, it, everyone is slightly different because they're hand painted, um, and they're all limited editions as well. Like the Snowman, they're only doing 150 of them. Yes, um, yeah, the. Sutek and the Yeti and the Zygon, which again looks great. They're they're a limited edition of three hundred. Yeah, um, and they're they're a good size as well. They're about eight mm. inches roughly. I think the Snowman yeah. one's a little bigger, but um, uh, they do look very very good, especially if you're into your like your classic collectibles, because there's nothing mm. here from New Who other than the Snowman. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he's the only one, isn't he? Oh no, the Weeping Angel. Oh yeah, that looks yeah. pretty good actually. Um, the Does old the Ice Warrior look good as well. Yeah, the Ice Warrior does look good. I'm kicking myself because BBC Shop was selling him for a discount recently, but he sold out. He was like £36. Okay. Uh, free posted. I was actually kicking myself and missed out on him because he looks very good and he came out last year. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, these have finally gone up for pre-order. I think they're coming out in the next couple of months, um, uh, uh, yeah, to, for, for actual sale, but you can pre-order these now. And, uh, yeah, if you've got the money, they're pretty reasonable, actually. Um, yeah, yeah, for around about sort of 60 quid. When you actually see these things, they, they really do look great. So if you've got the money and you like them, go get them. If you've got the cash, yeah. Mm, still got my eye on that TARDIS, but hey. Yeah, I think it's a 100 quid, isn't it, the TARDIS? Yeah, it's 100 yep. quid. Looks yeah. great, though. It's the old um, Pertwee variant, isn't it, TARDIS? It is, yeah. It's got yeah. like the black police box sign with the right, white writing, yeah. yeah. Oh, I love it. I've got to stop looking at it. Okay. Right, <laughs> <laughs> um, Rightio. Um, Last up, uh, this is very, if you're into your vinyl, 
your vinyl records, um, as I am. Um, the uh, the the geek site uh, Think Geek um, have got a very very good um, uh, special edition uh, soundtrack on vinyl. So the the fiftieth anniversary collection, the soundtrack that they released a couple of years ago now, um, they're doing a vinyl set, um, which I think has got like I think it's spread over four different vinyl records. Yes, and the good thing about this is the vinyl, the actual records themselves, are a um, a Cyberman metallic silver, um, which looks fantastic. If you um, if you do a search on ThinkGeek or click the link in in our show notes, you'll be able to see um, uh, some some larger pictures of it. But uh, the the artwork that they did for this set for the CD looks really good. I don't know if you if you see it, it's like each Doctor. With like this very cool, like orange, uh, sort of particle explosiony thing in the background. Yeah, um, I I think that will look really, really good, like large format, like the big LP size. Um, oh, it would. It's it's stunning. I mean, I'm looking at this set now, listeners. If you're if you're at a computer, we'll put a link to this. Just click on it. This looks like a really gorgeous vinyl set. Um, it, yeah, it, I can just imagine. I would love to get this. I mean, thing is, Think Geek are they're a US site, right? They are, yep. So, do, do you know? Do they ship to the UK? They do. They do. They do. Ship. This is yep. pretty reasonable. Uh, what's the price? It's seventy something dollars. Seventy nine dollars, which is probably around fifty five. Oh, it's fifty. It's a bit more than I think. Yeah, yeah. Sixty pounds. Mm. Um, so, I, I I sent a tweet off this morning to um, uh, a company called Silver Screen Records. Oh, um, oh yes. Yeah, they're the UK company that do most of the Doctor Who soundtracks, mm. um, and they're the the peeps that I got the the other vinyl soundtrack, um, like the series one and two. Um, so I tweeted them to see if they're going to be stocking this. I, I'm, it probably won't be the 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 limited edition Cyberman mm. one because that's uh, only to Think Geek, but uh, they might do it as a regular uh, set. It looks great. I would love to get my hands on this. I'm not going to lie. But the silver records, the booklet, the cover art. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a stunning little piece. It mm. is indeed. Mm. So that's the merch for this week. Yeah, lots of nice stuff, if you can afford it. Yeah, let us know if you pick any of that up and um, send us some pics. And just think of it as funding the show. That, exactly that. <laughs> you need to, if you need to justify it in your brain, exa- yes. yeah, just think of it like that. Just justify yeah. it in any way you, you need to. <laughs> yeah. Right, it's going to do for merch. Adam, my good fellow. Hello there. What are we reviewing this week? This week we are reviewing Vincent and the Doctor. I can't count you. Mr. Black. Yeah. Uh, we met a few days ago. I, I asked you about the church and averse. Oh, yes. Glad to be of help. You were nice about my child. Yes. And today is another cracker, if I may say so. But I just wondered, between you and me, in a uh, hundred words, where do you think Van Gogh rates in the history of art? Well, um... Big question, um, but to me, Van Gogh is the finest painter of the world. Certainly the most popular, great painter of all time. The most beloved, his command of color, the most magnificent. He transformed the pain of his tormented life into ecstatic beauty. Pain is easy to portray, but to use your passion and pain to portray the ecstasy and joy and magnificence of our world, no one had ever done it before. Perhaps no one ever will again. 
to my mind, that strange, wild man who roamed the fields of Provence was not only the world's greatest artist, but also one of the greatest men who ever lived. Vincent. Sorry. I'm sorry, is it too much? No. They are tears of joy. Powerful stuff. Yeah, I, while that clip was playing, I was just looking up to see what the what the song is in that because I knew the group was athlete. Yeah. Um. What do I? What do I happen to them? Well, I couldn't remember the name of the song, and apparently it's called Chances. Yes. Um. It's a nice song. Works incredibly well. because uh, we don't often get songs in Doctor Who, do we? No, not ones no. with lyrics. Um, that's right. And, you know, I'm thinking of the, <laughs> the only one I can think of off the top of my head is that. Britney Spears one that's in the oh, uh, yeah. Chris Jackson episode. But th- yeah. This one works uh, slightly better, I would say. And, um, oh, of, of course, yeah. Yeah, nice yeah. bit of music, that. Yeah. Yes, so, we'll come Vincent on to that and scene. the Doctor. Yeah, mm. so, Vince, yes, Vincent the Doctor. Um, uh, obviously, Matt Smith. Matt Smith. Matt yeah. Smith. It's good to see our old Matt again. In his first series. Yeah, mm. so back in 2010. Oh, uh, scary. This went out on my birthday. Did it? This went out on the yeah, 5th of June, 2010. Did you watch it? Um, or were you out getting? I probably smashed? wouldn't have watched it. No, no, <laughs> no. Um, so yeah, and this was uh, written by Richard Curtis, mm. uh, directed by Johnny Campbell, and um, yes, um, the the story is very very simple. This one, mm. um, the Doctor sees um, uh, a monster in one of the paintings that Van Gogh did in the in the art gallery. Um, and says that you know he knows he knows evil when he sees it. Um, as a result, him and Amy jump in the TARDIS, go back to uh, to France to see uh, Vincent Van Gogh um, to find out what happened there. It turns out that there's this uh, this monster, um, uh, the graphic, the crafiest, the crafiest. Yeah, it's not the easiest name. The crafiest. Yeah. Let's call him Ken. Let's call him Ken. Um, and uh, there's a nice little twist where it's only Vincent that can see him, um, which we'll come on to about the the whole monster thing. Um, and yeah, it's it, and they basically want to save Vincent Van Gogh because, um, as it's very well known and documented, he took his own life quite early. Mm. Um, so they want to go back and sort of help him out. And he's obviously they they obviously played they they uh, Richard Curtis wrote the character as historically written down, like this kind of very manic, depressive, um, sort of very lonely, but sort of eccentric guy at times, um, which comes through very well in the episode. Mm. Um, And it turns out that towards the end, they didn't actually try, they didn't actually save him. He still took his own life, but it's quite celebratory as well. Um, So it's it's one of those very educational, historical episodes. Mm. Um, It plays very true to... um, Van Gogh's life and his work and and all that. So although the ending isn't sort of um, a, a typically um, happy one in terms of the character as, as Vincent Van Gogh, it's a very uh, feel-good, um, quite happy in a way sort of outcome. Yeah. If I was going to sum this episode up, I'd say it's basically a love letter to Vincent Van Gogh, yeah. isn't it? Yes, pretty you much. Know. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't... doesn't um... Like you said, it doesn't sort of 
shy away from the downside of you know of it. Uh, in fact, he uses it in quite a good way of telling the story. You know, in terms of his depression and and all that sort of thing. Yeah. But it's yeah, it's very much a love letter to Van Gogh. And like you said, the ending and that, um, although slightly downbeat, leaves you also feeling quite warm and fuzzy. It's a, yeah, it's a really it's quite powerful. I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's talk about the um, the the story as we sort of get through it. So it opens quite. Um, opens quite um, simplistical. It's just Amy and the Doctor just having a nice day out, really. Um, yeah. She obviously wanted to go and uh, see some art, so he takes her to um, uh, the Musée d'Orsay. In, that's the one. In, in Paris. <laughs> and um, that's when they go to the Van Gogh exhibit, and that's when we see that little key moment where the Doctor notices in the um, uh, the painting that Van Gogh uh, did uh, the church at Elvera, uh, he sees the little monster chap in the window. Yeah. And that's what kicks the whole episode off, really, which is quite good. It's um, it's not one of those typical episodes where the, the TARDIS gets um, sort of accosted into a situation via a distress call or anything like that. It's just a, a little thing that the Doctor notices while they're doing something completely different, which is quite good. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then that... Uh, what the... One thing I did like about this this um, this uh, episode was um, the the direction in the locations was really good. Oh yes, yeah. Um, so uh, they did they actually go to Paris? To that, no, it's to, filmed in Croatia. Croatia, um, right? Yeah. Where they also filmed uh, Vampires of Venice, I think. Right. Um, right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's Croatia. Yeah, um, because it's it definitely does. not the UK. You can tell that it's not. No, it's in, sunny. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it, it visually, yeah, it's beautiful. Um, mm. Like you said, the direction's really good in it. Um, it does look incredible. The episode, I have to say, one thing that just struck me yesterday was it literally does jump out the screen at you. It's yeah. so visually bright and and colourful, and and I love the fact that um, they managed to get loads of Van Gogh's paintings in the episode, but. Um, that it's not done clumsily, like we get. Do you know what I mean? They, they sort of, they, well, they almost keep sort of putting them in front of your face, but they do it in such a way that it doesn't. Um, <laughs> don't know. It doesn't seem like, oh, look, here's another Van Gogh painting. Do you know what I mean? They actually sort of do it in a way, like for example, when he's scrubbing over one and the doctor's horrified and all that yeah, sort of thing, and yeah. you know when he holds up the pe- picture next to his face and that sort of. Thing. You know, they sort of, you get to see a lot of Van Gogh in this. Yeah. You know, um, almost subliminally, if you like. You know, even with just having the big um sunflowers and stuff in it is yeah it's visually brilliant it is yeah um the 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 direction for the episode is fantastic yeah um really good and also they it, it was one of those episodes where they got every cuz they're in some stories um of who especially when there's a bit of cg involved mm. the visual side of things can sort of dip down a little bit yeah, um, but f- I noticed that in this one, from start to finish, pretty much um, the the direction, along with the the photography as well, like everything is the lighting is perfect, pretty much throughout. Mm. It's pin sharp. The picture just looks brilliant. Like especially um, like even some of the more dimly lit scenes where they go to the cafe out in the street yeah. near the beginning. Yeah. It just looks just amazing. I've, I've you're the same as me. I've I've got this on Blu-ray, and um, in HD, it just looks. It's one of those episodes where all the camera work and lighting and all that stuff was just 
nailed. Yeah, completely. Absolutely, yeah. It looks I, beautiful. I, I keep thinking of the bit where um, Van Gogh looks out the window and Amy's sat with all the flowers around as well. It's just so visually stunning. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know, yeah. Really good job by the director and and uh, and the cast. Yeah, um, and that that's that's. Uh, we'll come on to you know like um, some of the scenes with Vincent and some of those more emotional stuff. Um, yeah, it it's like the way that the sets were were decorated as well, and this thing about the the, the lighting and direction. It it's all it's you know when like sometimes where just the universe is just aligned. Mm. you know mm. and everything works it's for this episode yep. i i thought that at so many moments throughout this whole story like oh well like the way that this scene has been set and the way that the camera is framing the actors and you know the the outside rolling hills are beautiful or if they're inside somewhere and we can see some of van gogh's paintings and all that lot or even just like the bits when they're in the tardis it just looks just amazing yeah, actually, we get to see a room in the TARDIS that either I'd forgotten about or that we don't often see. You know, the Doctor sort of comes, well, not we don't really see the room, but the Doctor sort of comes out this little side bit of the TARDIS, doesn't he, when he's trying to find some stuff. And I was thinking, I don't remember that, that little corridor bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know, maybe I've just forgotten it, because, yeah. yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a ramshack, isn't it, Matt's yeah. TARDIS? So maybe <laughs> it's always been there, but I was thinking, I don't remember that little room. Um, but, um, yeah, no, it's great. And bizarrely, I'd, I'd completely forgotten that Richard Curtis wrote this. I know that sounds crazy, but, um, I mean, he's considering the amount of work that Richard Curtis has done in film and TV. Yeah. Um, he's a big, you know, he's a big name. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I don't know how I'd forgotten that. So when his name came up, I was like, oh, yeah. You know, and sometimes, I mean, if you look at stuff he's done, like Love Actually, he wrote, and, you know, he can, the smaltzy emotion side of it can sometimes be a bit over the top, um, you know, quite often intentionally. But in this, it doesn't go too far. It actually, is, I think it actually works incredibly well, don't you? I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't feel too sort of um, smaltzy. You know what I mean, you don't sort of think, oh, God, you know. It's, you know, you actually, the, the emotion in it is written really, really well, I think. It is, yeah, and it's um, it it's it's kind of a um, it uh, a different direction from most of uh, Richard Curtis's previous work because mm. I think for the most part he's been mostly comedy, so things like Blackadder, Mister Bean, The Vicar of Dibley, that mm. he's all worked on, you know, predominantly. This doesn't have that typical um, either slapsticky comedy feel to it. It's no. it's 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 a fairly straight episode. It's quite, um, it's it's quite, it's on it's more on the drama, typical drama side of things rather than the sci-fi comedy stuff. Um, yeah. But there are little bits of humour in there. It's quite, especially for Matt, he has some funny little one-liners. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love the bit yeah. where he pretends he, he says, "Oh, I, I must dash or something like that," and he disappears. But not that fast, and he sort of comes <laughs> back and just looks like he's having really good fun with it. There's some lovely little comic moments in it, actually. But, yeah. but um, it's really well balanced, I think, in terms of like you said, we've got some. We're dealing with some quite sort of dark subject matter as well, but it doesn't get too dark. It's just enough to let you know what's going on, and there's some nice comedy. Yes, yeah, really well balanced, and I'm actually. I think it's a great script. I'm actually quite impressed with uh, Mr. Curtis, to be honest. I, th- I think he did a really good job on this. Is I mean, considering, you know, sometimes you get somebody who's very uh, prolific and renowned, you bring it to a show like Doctor Who, and it's so out, so different and out of their comfort zone um, that, mm-hmm. you know, they can really mess it up. And I think, actually, 
quite the opposite with this. I think he did a really, really good job. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, mm-hmm. the script is um is really good. Really good. The, the, like I said, it's one of those episodes where everything just slotted into place perfectly. So the script is great. So the on a lot of um, previous episodes, we've said things like um, the story had potential mm. um, and the performances from whichever doctor or companion it was, was really, was, was really good. But the, the story suffered because they can only work with the script they're given. Yeah. So this yeah. one must have been just, you know, so not easy in a typical sense, but easy for the actors to work with because the script was so good. Um, and they don't have to like overact or, you know, try and work their performances around a, a, a possibly poor script to try and bring something out of it. This yeah. was all, this is all sort of really nicely done. And, you know, they probably didn't have to read it and think, Oh, crikey, how am I going to work this? Mm. You know, it was all kind of, cause even though it, it it's, it's well balanced, like you say. There are some bits where there's like the typical running, like the Doctor Who runaway. Mm-hmm. There's like um, some nice emotional scenes. There's some really nice conversations that happen. It's all just, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to praise it like overly. I don't want people to think, you know, all right, Gary, calm down. But it, 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 it all does. Just clicks. Yeah, it all just clicks mm-hmm. together. And the script and the acting go hand in hand. And yeah, it's great stuff. I know where you're coming from because we've said that before, we where we've said, "Oh well, Matt's really bringing this story up, or he's really giving it all to to bring this story up." And in this, it just feels almost effortless, doesn't it? Like they're yeah. just they're really enjoying it, and it doesn't feel forced. I suppose is what what you mean, isn't it? It doesn't feel like they're having to do something to make this good. It, it just is good. It's just a really sort of enjoyable watch. Um, that's what you mean, isn't it? They're not sort of having to force it. Yeah, it doesn't feel forced. I mean, even the chase scenes you mentioned are fun because they—he's got that gadget, so it gives it gives it another element. Do you know what I mean? It's not just a chase sequence. He's got this silly mirror gadget, hasn't he? Where he's trying to see the monster. So that brings you know something else to the table. So yeah, yeah. it's lots of nice ideas in this. There is, yeah, and um, one of the things that um, that I've got down in my notes actually, which um, uh, which I think is quite poignant, is it's quite a mature episode and and I think that helps with the script and the acting as well because um, it's and and I find this a lot with the classic ones where they go more down the um, sort of the educational historic point of view where you don't always get the silliness and the craziness and you know the out you know the out and out actiony sci-fi stuff Mm. um and it's the same with this episode. I find it more of a mature. And I don't mean that it's not suitable for children. I just mean that the subject matter in some of it and the more sort of human side is more for, I think adults would just get it more. Yeah. You know, like young kids, you like yeah. my, my, um, one of my sons who, who watches Doctor Who with me a lot. Um, he's eight and he, he, he really liked the bits with like, as he calls it, like the, the giant turkey <laughs> like the giant turkey and well, it is, yeah. <laughs> he really really thought that the bit with the doctor that couldn't see him but then he got like the the van wing mirror device thing yeah. um that he was able to see you know he was really into all that stuff and that but the the quieter moments where it's just the three of them sat down talking or whatever all the bits in the gallery and stuff he wasn't really kind of mm. switched on to to what was sort of happening there and really didn't get the the deeper meaning so um, I think this is a bit more of a mature script and a mature episode, really. 
Oh, it definitely is. I mean, it, ta- it does. It takes its time to get going as well. I mean, it, but I mean that in a good way. It doesn't, it's, you know, it's not, it doesn't jump straight in with the action. Oh, there's a monster. Uh, you know, it, it's very nicely paced at the start. I mean, I did. I remember the first time I watched this, thinking it was a little bit slow. Actually, I remember thinking, "Oh, come on, get, let's get into it." But yesterday, when I when I watched it, I I just sat back and really enjoyed it. You know, uh, I liked all the sort of bit at the start where they were sort of finding him and coming out of the pub drunk and all that sort of stuff. And I thought it was really fun, you know, whereas I think the first time I watched it, it's always different when you watch something for the first time. You're always thinking, right, you know, you want the story to move on. You want to find out what happens next. Whereas yesterday, I just sat back and and thoroughly enjoyed this just from start to finish. And I'm glad about that because this is one of those stories that falls into that category of is it overrated yes because i yeah. i put this in the same bracket as the doctor's wife this story and the doctor's wife very often get brought up as you know heralded as absolute classics and i i i think this one is a classic i really do think it's i don't think it's overrated whereas the doctor's wife i think is terribly overrated you know so i was quite glad that i you know th- this lived up to how i remembered it and it was still really good when i rewatched this yes yeah. um Let's talk about the, um, there isn't, um, well, there's hardly any support cast in this one. No, there's not. In fact, I was thinking this when we were talking just now about the the cast members. They work really, really well together, don't they? Mm. Considering it's mostly the three of them together. There's no, they just seem to, like you said, they just seem to click. They just seem to be effortlessly, um, you know, playing their role. And it's it's brilliant. I think the cast work incredibly well together. Mm. Maybe it is so good just because it's just the three of them. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I, I I think this episode also works without Rory. Yeah, poor, I love Rory, but yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. I like Rory, but I think because when I thought about that a bit more after I watched it, I thought that if Rory was in this one, he would just play the typical jealous boyfriend. Because, exactly. Yeah, because there are some bits where... Uh, Vincent and Amy are getting a little bit flirtatious almost. Yeah. Where they're talking about having kids and, you know, at the end, like they would have ginger hair and. The ultimate it, ginger. The ultimate ginger. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that's, that's actually Amy and the doctor. But before yeah. that, you know, when Vincent obviously takes an immediate shine to Amy. He does. And yeah. I think if Rory was in this, they couldn't do anything else other than just have him as the jealous boyfriend. And we've seen that before. Yeah, exactly. Actually, no, we haven't seen it too much, but um, as we know of the character of Rory after, you know, the following series of of Who, that's probably how they would have wrote him if he was in it. I think you're absolutely right, yeah. I do do love the bit where the Doctor accidentally gets the the name wrong. He calls Vincent Rory, doesn't he? He's like, Amy and Rory. I mean, Vincent, and and Amy's like, who's Rory? She's forgotten him, hasn't she? Because he's disappeared in the crack at this point. That's correct, yeah. Yeah, so he's gone. He's out of her mind. But yeah, yeah. I agree with you. I think um, as much as I like Rory, it's nice to have a story about him in it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we see like, um, we see a few other townsfolk, don't we, where one of the, one of the um, other people gets killed by this, by Ken. <laughs> um, and we see like, her, I think we see her mum sort of having oh, a, a right old pop at, at those, those three and stuff like that. But we don't really see any other supporting cast. No. Um, other than um, uh, Dr. Black. Um, from the gallery, which we'll come on to that scene in a little while. But um, okay. so the, yeah, I mean, it, like, like you said, it does work really well, just the three of them, mm. mainly throughout the episode, and they do click very well together. Um, and I liked, um, and I I actually quite liked Amy in this episode. I don't know about you. Mm, 
You didn't I, like I, her still? No. I thought I, she was I, all right. I find Karen is a bit wooden still. I don't think she really settled into her part until, until the next series, actually. Um, whenever I watch series five, I just find her a little bit... It's more to do with the way she's written, I think. She is quite right. sort of brash. Um, yeah, she's not, but don't get me wrong, I still think she's really good in it. But, yeah, I do sometimes find it hard to warm to series five, Amy, to right. be honest with you. There are, right. you know, her character isn't quite there for me at this point. But, yeah, she works well in this. Um, with the whole Vincent thing, yeah. Okay, I yeah i I think I yeah I agree with you to for the most part there. I I also find her a little bit uh, yeah um, like an, a a large portion of the episodes that she's in. I do mm. find her a little bit. I don't know. She she doesn't wind me up or anything like that. I just find her a little bit too too forward sometimes and that we we sometimes venture into that sort of dark territory of mm. like companions having sort of really fancying the doctor at the time and which yeah. we had a lot with tenant um which i know a lot of people aren't keen on um so we have that sometimes and some other bits but i i think in this one she was at, i actually quite liked her i i think she had a very she had a really big soft spot for Vincent in this you could tell mm. right from the off um, and that really played on like emotionally as well like especially at the end where she was absolutely gutted that they weren't able to make a difference and he still mm. you know he, he still um, committed suicide and you know that really obviously affected her mm. so you could tell that she was really into him you know and you know. yeah I guess that's one thing I like about this is that she's um she obviously has got a soft spot for him, but they don't sort of take it any further than sort of flirting. And it, yeah. it's more, I think it's more the fact that she admires him, isn't it? It's like, she's like, oh, it's Vincent van Gogh. You know, yeah. she's like, yeah. she's in awe of him as well as finding him a little bit sexy. But she doesn't <laughs> sort of pounce on him like she does the Doctor in some of the episodes of Series 5. So, yeah, so I like, I like that. I like the fact they kept it to that and didn't do the whole... You know, there's no kiss between Amy and Van Gogh, which, you know, they could have easily put in there, would have been excruciating. But yeah, so I'm quite glad that they kept it to that, that she like fancies him. She thinks he's, you know, he's amazing. Um, and it's admiration rather than lust, yes. if you like. Yeah. yeah. So in that sense, I think she works well in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So she, I, I think she does work well. And, and I do quite like her in this one. Yeah. Um, okay. Tony Curran. As Vincent van Gogh. As Vincent. fan blooming in my opinion. Potentially one of the best casting choices, I would say. S- superb. He's, he's, he's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He looks like him. Well, pretty much. You know, is it, well, he's a, good, he's a good look for him. Yeah. Um, his acting is excellent. You know, he doesn't, doesn't go over the top when he's doing the scenes where he's sort of manically depressed and... I mean, that scene at the end, if that doesn't move you, just just by his face. I mean, he doesn't even say anything. It's just a shot of his face. And he's just, you know, soaking up the fact that he can't believe his paintings are on display. And he's a brilliant actor. I just, I can't praise him enough in this. I think he's he's superb. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. And he's completely believable. Very believable, you know, yeah. Um, of, like we said earlier, of all of the um, kind of, sort of documents and all the write-ups that we know about uh, Van Gogh. Mm. Um, This was um, just completely, just spot on. Like you say, it really looks like uh, 
um, really looks like Van Gogh. It's quite scarily, actually. Um, and also, like, just the mannerisms that we know about him. Like, there's a scene where the Doctor is really pushing him to go and paint this church because he knows that while going off to paint the church, that's when they're going to find the the turkey monster. Yeah. Um, so the Doctor's pushing and pushing, and then he finally says, right, we'll do it. And then when the Doctor goes to see how he is, he's just, like, collapsed on his bed. He's, like, broken down almost, mm. you know, in one of those really bad depressive states. And then within a few minutes, he's back to normal when they're going off to paint his church and stuff. Um, so it's little things like that where Van Gogh had been, you know, quite well documented, like these, this condition that he had. And, you know, it's up for debate. A lot, a lot of modern sort of psychiatric people and doctors have tried to sort of nail down what they think would have been wrong with him. Mm. Um, so they don't know if it's like bipolar or, you know, all that stuff. But the way that he plays it is completely believable. So he has like these moments where he's very eccentric and he's explaining like, you know, the stars in the sky and how he sees the colour and all that stuff. And he's like an ex excited little child, you know, really into all that stuff that you see poured into his paintings. And then on the flip of a coin, he's like just broken down and he feels completely lonely in the world and depressed mm. and that. And Tony Curran just completely does it. You know, you, like you think that that is Van Gogh. It's like well, completely believable. I love it. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah, I think he's 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 likable. Uh, he's got depth to character considering we've got like forty five minutes to get to know him. Yes, um, yeah. you know, yeah, I just think he's really great in it. Yeah, absolutely superb casting. Yes, yeah. whoever was the whoever was the casting uh, uh, in charge of casting for this series or this episode. Absolutely, should have got a, a healthy bonus for that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, really, really good. Um, actually, let's talk about the monster. We haven't spoken about the turkey chicken. Oh, I was trying to ignore it. The actually, rooster. the thing is, yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> you know, there are a lot, there are a lot of um, layers in this script. If you want to delve really deep and deep into it, it's like you know, there's a lot of thought gone behind this, and the monster. Well, let's be frank, it doesn't look good. Thankfully, it's not on screen for very long. I think it's the only downside to this episode, to be honest with you, is the... I don't, I don't really like the design of the monster because it does look like just a big turkey. Um, <laughs> but it kind of... If you sort of, like I say, you don't see it very much and it's certainly a very minor quibble with the episode. But it, it's supposed to be... Because only Van Gogh can see it, can't he? Yes. And in a, yeah. in a sort of very deep way, it's meant to sort of represent his depression and all that, isn't it? And... You know. it's, it's metaphorical for yeah that's the word yeah, yeah for his yeah. yeah depression and stuff which is a very nice bit of writing i like that because yeah. it otherwise if if you didn't have that element to story i think the monster would have been very much sort of crowbarred into the story just to have a monster into it yeah um because to be honest with you that's kind of how i remember i was thinking that before i watched rewatched it I was thinking, oh, it's got that silly monster in it, and why is that even in there, and and all that. And then again, watching it again yesterday, if you can read a bit more into it, yeah. And it's all there in the script if you look for it. So it does actually have a reason to be in there. Yes. Whereas before, when I watched it, I kind of went over my head a bit, and I just thought it was like, like I said, sort of just in there because Doctor Who has to have a monster in it, because um, it doesn't really do a lot. It's not menacing at all, is it? It doesn't, you know, it does a bit of chasing in that nice scene we mentioned earlier. But it doesn't really do a lot. And it actually turns out that it's not evil at all, is it? It's actually 
Yeah. He's actually a good guy that's just got a bit lost and, and gets stabbed with a chair, with an easel, you know. So it's all a bit tragic, really. But Yeah. It, I, I kind of agree with you on, on that front. It, it, it's one of the elements of the story that I didn't really focus on too much. Yeah. Having having this monster in there, it was yeah, it was kind of crowbarred in, wasn't it? It's um but I guess I don't know, they needed some other kind of mechanism in or you know, for for Doctor for the, the Doctor and Amy to um actually you know, have a reason to go back and try and save him if you like. They needed something. True. Um yeah. so in you know, in in all typical Doctor Who fashion it had to be a monster, I guess. Um yeah. But yeah, it's the thing for me was the, was the design really. Mm. I mean, it's um, they could have had something a little bit more menacing, a little bit more um, sort of darker, really, because it 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 does actually look like a giant turkey. Yeah, you know, it, you can't really get away from that. It's um, there's nothing threatening about it at all. <laughs> nothing it at looks all. silly, um, um, other than the huge claws, obviously. Mm. But mm. other than that, yeah, and it, it's quite sad how it how he gets killed i mean um i don't yeah i kind of wish it hadn't i didn't it kind of just seemed like a very sort of convenient way to just get the episode wrapped up and right that's the monster done with you know let's let's get back on with the story because it is kind of um insignificant in terms of the rest of the story i mean as i said i like the fact that that uh, richard curtis has has actually given it you know more meaning yeah um, but it, I don't. Yeah, it didn't necessarily even need to be there, really. But like you said, it, it's good because it does. That is the reason the Doctor goes there in the first place. But you could have had this story quite easily, I think, without it. But I do like the fact that Richard Curtis gives it a bit more to it to actually have have a reason for it being in there and what it represents. So yeah. for for that, I'm glad it's in it. But yeah, the design just just lets it down a bit. As does the CGI. I'm afraid the CGI doesn't look very good. Um, yeah. Even though it's an invisible monster, <laughs> it probably was better when it was invisible. I think, but but it's it's on screen for seconds, isn't it? It's not even. Yeah. It's not even. In, I think it's just because the rest of the episode looks so amazing that when you do see that odd glimpse of it, you sort of think, "Oh dear, it doesn't look very good." Yeah, that's what I said earlier. And mm. when you know, when you, with some of the CG stuff, the it, it can sort of dip down a bit in terms of visuals. But yeah. thankfully, the rest of the episode when some of the CG wasn't there um, was was amazing. but um, I think that's what, one of the reasons perhaps it stands out as being particularly poor is because the rest of the episode looks so amazing. Yeah. When you do see that quick glimpse of it, you're like, oh, dear me. Yeah. Um, there is something that does bug me about it, though, is when they kill it, Yeah. Well, what, what happens to it? Do they just leave it on the floor? <laughs> I know it's invisible, but aren't people just going to be bumping into that all the time in the church what do they do with it well they just kind of leave they it just don't sort they? Of leave it and that's <laughs> always bugged me i sort of think i think that's the only thing i would have said it would have been i kind of wish it wasn't killed although again that's probably a metaphor for the depression or whatever but i, I don't know i kind of wish they'd done something else because it does bug me that they just it gets killed it's left lying on the floor invisible as far as we know because the next scene is the one of them on the grass isn't it yes so we kind of never, the monster never gets mentioned again. Maybe it doesn't need to. Maybe well, we just assume that they... Well, it's annoyed me that. Because it's just lying in the church invisible. And I just sort of have visions of the vicar walking in. And, oh, <laughs> you know, what's this? <laughs> you know, invisible monster. So I don't know. I think they, they could have wrapped that up a bit more. But maybe that's a timing thing. Because to be fair, they do manage to cram quite a lot of stuff into this episode. So perhaps it's yeah. just a time thing. Maybe we can assume that they took some black bin bags and... 
You know, like <laughs> if you see a fox on the side of the road that's been hit or something, you can take care of it. Maybe. Yeah, I can't see Amy doing that somehow, but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm going to have to, in my head, I'm going to have to assume that they did something about that and that they didn't just leave it there because, yeah, anyway. Anyways. That is the only other thing that's slightly... Yeah. Let's, let's that down for me. Uh, I did think it was quite a good little scene where the Doctor is trying to figure out what the monster is and finds that um, crazy-looking device that straps to his chest that has the, the wing mirror. Um, yeah. And... Uh, so that was good, but also the bit where he holds up like um, uh, the the picture that Van Gogh did in the TARDIS, and then because to test out that thing, he it it starts printing out um, like the first Doctor. You oh know? yeah, we get to the first and the second, don't we? I love yeah. that. Bit. Yeah, that's a nice little touch, I thought. Um, and then it's quite good how it recognizes the creature and he knows how to how to then sort of see it and and that sort of thing. So although the monster wasn't you know, completely necessary and was a little bit meh. Um, that, that little scene where the Doctor's trying to figure out what's going on and that's pretty good. Yeah, I agree. It adds, yeah. adds a fun element to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fair play. Um, and so Matt Smith then. Matt Smith. Matt Smith. I love Matt Smith in Series 5. I mean, I, I love him anyway as the Doctor, to be honest with you. I think he's a brilliant Doctor. Yeah. Um, but the reason I highlight Series 5 is because he's slightly more toned down for me, and I guess that's because he's settling into the role, but I really like it because um, uh, I think he does comedy well without going over the top. Yeah. And later on in his run as the Doctor, I think mm. we got a lot of the silly hand movements. And for me... He just went just a little bit, he notched up just a little bit too much at times. So I really enjoy Matt as the Doctor in Series 5 because I find he's he's quirky, crazy, funny, um, without so much of the hand movement silliness. So, yeah, yeah. I, and, I, and I think this is a great episode for him. I think he's, he's great in it, love it. And it doesn't feel forced, like you said before, it doesn't feel like he's carrying the episode, it doesn't feel like he's having to inject life into it. Um, it just feels very natural and fun. Yeah, I really like him in it. Yeah, me too. I think he's got that really good balance in this one. He has these funny little one-liners. He has a bit... It, it, his facial expression is really good as well. It's it, it's there as... He's there as the Doctor, but he's not, like you say, clowning around too much, and he's not... Mm. Um, there's there's not much sort of hand-waving going on too much and yeah. spinning around a lot. Yeah, he's got that nice... I, mean, I enjoy that stuff from time to time. Me um, too. But yeah. in this one, he's he just... His level of concern is there. But also one of the things that I really did like about this episode is the the way that he has he, he accepts that it, that Van Gogh is, is going to take his own life. Mm. And as much as they try to to um to make him see, you know, that you know, because we'll talk about that scene in a moment at the end in the gallery, but the it's almost like those things where it's like a fixed moment in time you know we've seen that quite a few times in who yeah. where it's like a fixed moment like with the pompeii thing you can't change it um it, it, it the doctor assumes or sorry the, the doctor is just accepting of the fact that it's going to happen and as much as amy doesn't like it um and some and the way that we see it as the viewer as well we see like you know when they visit the gallery at the end to see because they're expecting to see like loads more paintings they're mm. expecting to see to it they're expecting that he didn't take his own life and that he carried on and there's loads more paintings in the gallery and when we go in there and we see that you know he that didn't happen 
it's the doctor that consoles Amy and says something like, you know, the 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 all the bad things also, you know, feel like the good things sometimes and we made mm. some good things happen. Yeah. Um, so I really like that about the doctor. Sometimes he can be a bit, especially with other doctors, they can be a bit cold and a little bit flat to that aspect. For mm. companions, it's probably quite hard to deal with. Um, especially like, I'm just thinking of the fires of Pompeii again, yeah, where Donna yeah. is absolutely distraught that they can't save Pompeii, where the doctor's like, nothing we can do. Mm. You know, so it, I like that aspect of it as well, that kind of historical fixed moment, you know. Good. Yeah, yeah, I do. And again, it's nicely written, isn't it? Because, like you said, he still manages to, to, you know, to bring something good by showing him what's what's happened. But he can't change it. It doesn't. It doesn't have any effect. You know, it, well, it probably did for a short space of time. But then once he goes back, you know, natural course of events, you know, still happen. So yeah, yeah it's, it's like there are some things that the Doctor can't change. Um, you know, because I did worry about that, that the first time I was watching. It. I was thinking, oh, should the Doctor be? You know, doesn't this go against the laws of time? The doctor taking, you know, but actually, it, it it doesn't matter because you know it still happens. He takes him back. Um, presumably, he was on a high for a day or two, and then probably someone criticised his painting, and that was <laughs> that was you know straight back to where he was before. So in that sense, it works really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I like that. I like that. There's some things the doctor can't change. Yeah, because if he could change everything, it'd be boring, wouldn't it? I mean, he's just <laughs> saved the entire. You know, there's got to be times when the doctor just can't do do anything about it and that's the way it's meant to be sort of thing yeah yeah um so matt smith completely brilliant i think so i think he's a yeah i think he's great in it i mean you think this is his first series as well settling into the role finding his feet but i think he's great in it yeah, yeah. um and it leads really it leads on um it's sort of the episode sort of all culminates really into that scene where um they go to the gallery yeah and just, just before that bit you know the bit we're on the hill oh, okay. staring at the yeah. stars I mean, we've said how brilliantly visual this episode was. Oh god, yeah, yeah. That bit where the sky turns into the the starry night is yeah, incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely. I was sat there yesterday again. I don't know how I've forgotten that because I sat there yesterday thinking this is stunning. You know, yeah. the, the amount of love that's gone into making this episode. Oh yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's absolutely stunning. And then obviously that leads into them taking him to the gallery, which takes it to another level. I mean, it's just the ending to this episode, I think, is is just, well, I'm going like young, sort of gushing a bit, but it's just incredible. It's such a brilliant ending to an episode. Yeah. Um, I don't usually cry at TV. (laughs) No, you're made of stone. (laughs) Um, But I must admit, mate, yesterday it got me. I will. I, I can't see how. Yeah, you'd have to be made of stone not to get let this get you because it is just. And it, as I said, it's they take him to the gallery. You got Bill Nye adding a bit of humour to it, which is lovely. The whole bow tie thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. Never you remember, you know, that um, connection between him and the Doctor, and just the Doctor getting him to say all those kind words with Van Gogh in earshot is the first bit that gets you. Yeah. Then you see Van Gogh's face when it's the camera spinning around him taking in you know he can't believe it that his work's up on the wall and as i said he's not even saying anything it's just his face and the brilliant acting and the music and stuff and oh yeah. and the music it just now this comes back to what you were saying earlier it just all comes together to make an absolutely like you said i think it's a you know heartbreaking <laughs> in a way see it's just incredible yeah really really good yeah yeah yep i was going to talk about that but i can't because i can <laughs> feel myself going now 
Yeah, well, it does. <clears throat> I think, it, as I said, I think it's, it's very nicely written. You know, it's beautifully done. And obviously, then then they take Van Gogh back, and then they go back to the gallery, don't they, to see if anything's changed? But nothing has changed, except he has written Amy in the vase. On the, oh, yeah. oh, I've got an American vase. <laughs> <laughs> Vars. Um, yeah, he's written Amy in it, hasn't he? So there is a nice little touch, you yeah. know, to that as well. But it's it's brilliant. What an ending! It's incredible, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So yeah. So I, I just think um, I also like the, the fact we've got Bill Nye in there, and why is he uncredited? <clears throat> yeah, I was going to ask about that. But I wonder That's why they strange, didn't. Isn't it, Doctor Black? Yeah, and the, it's really great chemistry between the two of them as well. Those. Um, Oh, I love it. That in the clip that we played as well, he's like, "Yes, you commented on my bow tie," <laughs> and he's like, "Yes, today it's a cracker as well." Because, uh, oh, sorry, the day before he's wearing a normal tie, but you know that that day he's wearing a bow tie. Um, but you know, you're saying about perfect casting, though, isn't isn't again Bill Nye perfect casting yeah. for that that role? Because I know he kind of does the same thing. It, it, what it is is Bill Nye is one of those actors that's found, found something, found a sort of characterization that he's good at, and he tends to sort of do. A variation of it in, in, in whatever he does so yes. you kind of always know what you're going to get from him but i kind of like that because it's just that is what he does so if you sort of thinking right if we're right in this part you know bill mm. nice perfect for it and he, he's really nice and he's only in it for he's a little bit of the star a little bit of the end yeah but it bridges the gap brilliantly doesn't it and yeah. like you said the, the um camaraderie between him and the doctor and the bow tie admiration is is great yeah yeah, yeah. and it's uh yeah, just the script again, just brilliant. Like that speech at the end where the doctor says in a hundred words, and I haven't counted. I don't know if it is a hundred words, but yeah. um, you know, what do you think about Van Gogh? And like you say, the whole thing all builds up, and he gives that beautiful speech. And yeah, mm. brilliant. Well, I wonder why he's uncredited though, because it does seem because mm. he's a big he's a big movie star, isn't he? Bill Knight. So even at this point, he was you know really well known and done really big stuff at this point. So. Yeah, yeah, don't know. He's a, he's a very nice man as well. He used to I used to work in H and V on Oxford Street in London, and uh, he used to come in uh, probably I don't know once every couple of months maybe. Um, very nice man. He had a stash of CDs um, right. reserved for him. Every time he came in, we'd be like, "Do you want these ones?" He's like, "I've just had a couple more." But he, he was a lovely man. But I'll never forget him going. He went. We used to have an electronic escalator, and he was going up it, and then he saw one of the shop assistants that he knew. She went, hello, Mr. Nye. And he went, hello. And then he just literally, it's already started going up. He just literally bounded off the escalator, <laughs> nearly killing himself just to go and, and speak to her. He was a very nice man, Mr. Nye. Oh, Nye. cool. Yeah, so yeah. I always, always think of him coming off that escalator like a like Dracula. <laughs> he literally threw himself off as well. He's just like, hello, because he's quite a, a lanky man <laughs> in the nicest way. He's quite a tall guy. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, um, but yeah, so yeah, lovely man, lovely performance, um, considering he's only in it a couple of minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that speech he makes is great. And I, I do love the Doctor's reaction as well, because the, the Doctor's doing it to be as a good thing, isn't he? So that Van Gogh can overhear it. Yeah. And then he sort of notices the Van Gogh's reaction. He's like, oh, and he's, Matt Smith's portrayal of the Doctor there is brilliant. Because he's like, oh, I'm sorry, it's too much, it's too much. And he realises he's sort of gone, you know, might have gone too far. And I just love that bit. I just just think Matt's great as the Doctor when yeah. he does think like that. Yeah, brilliant. Know? So, yeah, I can't, I can't fault that bit at all. Yeah. If there's anything else you want to mention, we'll go on to scores. 
No, I think that's it. I'll just I'll just sum up by saying visually brilliant. The music in it's great. Like Murray's score blends nicely with the song that uh, from Athlete. It's not too overbearing in this either. The music is mm. just nice. Um, it's visually great. Um, whose turn is it to go first? Um, I think I it might you. be me. It's you. Yeah. So I will give Vincent and the Doctor a nine point five. A nine point five. Yeah. That's pretty high. Yeah. Um, I'm going slightly lower, but only slightly. I'm going to go 9 out of 10. I think it's a, a cracker of an episode. 9 out of 10. I'm only knocking scores off, um, really, for the CGI monster design. And um, and I do find Amy a bit wooden in it, but not too much. But yeah, so a very good 9 out of 10 for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I knocked a point. It's, it's almost a perfect episode for me. Mm. Um, I knocked a, a bit off there because of the, the monster isn't great. Yeah, um, the monster design and and the way it was, the way that you saw it on screen just wasn't that great, really. Um, but other than that, I thought it was pretty much a perfect script. The direction, amazing. The way it looks is amazing. The acting is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, it just keeps me glued every word from start to finish. Yeah, and um, it's very emotional as well. And it's I can feel emotional. myself going again, and I'm trying to stop. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it's just. When it when an episode makes you feel like that, it's um yeah special. It is special because there's not many episodes I can think of that leave you feeling emotionally sad but also uplifted. If yeah. you know what I mean, because yeah. that is how it, when it ends, that's exactly how I feel. I feel sad, <laughs> but but happy. It's really really odd feeling, yeah. but it's, it's a, yeah very very strong. Yeah, it's feel emotion. good, but it's also yeah I know what you mean. And also, yeah. do you think um. Because, you know, when the Doctor goes back to meet people like Van Gogh and Shakespeare and things like that, do you think this brings it a bit more to the younger audience that maybe haven't heard of Van Gogh and that sort of thing? Do you think in that way it's good as well? Do you know what I mean? I mean, I don't want to sort of talk down to kids and say, oh, you don't know Van Gogh. That's not what I'm saying. But I do think it sort of brings out quite important characters to, you know, people from real life that perhaps some people don't know too much about you know so in other words kids might have heard of van gogh but like i said this features a lot of his work yes. and it might have yeah. sort of you know visually made them think wow you know that's van gogh do you know what i mean so i think in that way it's good as well well yeah it's um like we said it's one of those um sort of educational episodes really which is mm. which is what doctor who started out to be oh yeah a lot of the hartner ones were yeah you know i mean that was one of the prerequisites for for writing the show it was it was meant to be you know, the ability to travel back in time mm. it was meant to be an educational. That was a big aspect of it, you know, like the original plan. So, yeah, it's um, it's good to see it. Yeah. Yeah. OK, what did you guys think? Let's do an audio clip first. Um, this is from Who Addicts Reviews. This is Matt Rowney. Hey, Gary and Adam. I hope you're well. So Vincent and the Doctor, for me, is one of the most underrated gems of the modern series. Um, and it is my favourite historical episode of Doctor Who. I'm a sucker for historical episodes, I find them really interesting and this has got to be the best. I loved Vincent van Gogh in this, Um, I just loved the actor who played him, he was a spitting double of him as well. Um, But I loved how educational this episode was as well. We learnt so much about Vincent and his life and, you know, the the place where he lived and that's what Doctor Who was set out to be 52 years ago, to be educational and I found it so intriguing. I loved the setting as well, it was so realistic, I loved being there. And what I love the most is the similarities between Vincent and the villain, if you could even call it a villain, because from the outset they were both very fearful 
and what looked to be on the outset very dangerous beings. But when you got to know both Vincent and the creature, you found out that they were just innocent beings that were just in the wrong place at the wrong time and were getting hurt for the wrong reasons. And they both ended up having very sad demises, with, of course, Vincent taking his own life. And the poor creature, it was just blind and scared, and it was killed by accident. It was poetic, but also heartbreaking as well, which I really liked. And, of course, the end scene where the Doctor and Amy take him to the art gallery and he breaks down because he, he sees you know, how, how much his work means to people in the future. It's something Doctor Who rarely does, and it was just beautiful, and the music and everything was fantastic. So for me, Vincent and the Doctor is an underrated gem, and it's probably the best episode of Series 5. So for me, I'd give it a very, very strong 9 out of 10. Thank you very much, Matt. Nine out of ten there. I'm disappointed not to hear Billy, Matthew's bird, in the background oh, on yeah. that recording because he's normally there chirping away. He normally he chirps recorded up. It in, a, in a different room. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps Billy was too emotional. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, cheers, Matt. Um, let's do Twitter first. Um, George Garrity, uh, his Twitter name is at G underscore unit 91. He says, uh, quite frankly, I don't see what all the fuss is about. <gasps> it's so unevenly paced with certain bits flying by and others dragging. The acting is quite good, though, um, with not a poor performance in sight. Uh, the monster was awfully designed with an awful premise behind it. Um, really struggle to like this one. Four out of ten. Wow, goodness me. Yeah. Um, let's have a look. Uh, uh, Christoph and Antoin. Antoin. Uh, <laughs> Twitter name is uh, at uh, Christoph uh, Ianto. Uh, it says, I love how they made depression an invisible monster. Uh, mm. Only the depressed can see. Uh, so beautiful. Uh, Peter Adamson uh, says, Great and very emotional story, which would have worked, uh, which wouldn't have worked were, with Rory, in my opinion. Uh, a long time since I've seen it, seven out of ten. Uh, Matt Goodacre. Uh, his name is at MattGodeka42. He says, a brilliant emotional story proving that historicals are still great. Uh, didn't need the monster, but still fantastic. Nine out of ten. Mm. Uh, and uh, Josie uh, Cassini, um, she says, OMG, I cried so much during this episode. Uh, you and me both, Josie. And me, yeah. Um, right, Nothing on, wrong with it. Not ashamed to say it. Not at all. Uh, right, Facebook, uh, Christopher Law. He says, on the whole, a great episode. Uh, after Tenet left, this was the episode for me when I really saw Matt Smith as the Doctor. Mm. Uh, the story was brilliant, and Tony Curran as Vincent um, was ideal casting. Uh, I really felt for Vincent in his story, and that final scene with Vincent in the art gallery is beautiful. Uh, the only downside for me was the Crafaeus. Still can't say it. Crafaeus. Yeah, That's it, Crafaeus. Uh, it looks like a giant alien turkey. Uh, I think it would have worked better if we didn't see it. Eight out of ten. Uh, Mark Atkinson says, uh, we've just reviewed it through our podcast. Um, I'll put a link to their guy's uh, podcast in the show notes. It's really good, actually. Yes. Um, superbly beautiful episode that works well on many levels. Uh, the script is excellent. The acting is outstanding. The only slight letdown is the chicken monster. Uh, but apart from that, a near-perfect Doctor Who 9.9 .9 out of ten. Excellent. I shall be listening to your podcast this afternoon, Mark, in the sunshine. Prog to who? Yes. Very good. Um, Sammy Satine. Uh, she says, one of my absolute favourite episodes of Doctor Who. I think they captured the depression Vincent Van Gogh felt beautifully. Uh, the fact that the uh, Crefeus, how did you Crefeus. say it? <laughs> <No>. um, is <laughs> invisible. 
the fact that uh, the Crefeus is invisible and Vincent can see it because he can see uh, more than other people is a great touch. Uh, I like the gadget the Doctor has uh, uh, given to him by his doll godmother with two heads and bad breath. I forgot about that. Um, love seeing the Doctor's one and two print out. Especially love the part uh, when they go to museum and show visiting his paintings. Um, uh, when the man played by Bill Nye talks about Vincent van Gogh, it's just beautiful. Um, it's utterly beautiful, heartbreaking, and yet so full of life like Vincent himself. 10 out of 10. Excellent. Thank you, Sammy. Um, Kieran Knight says, wow, one of my all-time favourites. Uh, can be emotional, funny, and the whole cast is on top form. Uh, Matt Smith has a great balance of entertaining and thoughtful, one of Amy's strongest episodes, and uh, Tony Curran and as Vincent steals it. Uh, I lose count of the number of times I've watched it, and I'm not even that interested in art. Uh, Bill Nye is great, although strangely uncredited, and the music is just superb. Um, both with Love Vincent and Chances are great. Uh, he says, ah, oh, don't make me cry. Uh, mm. It's an easy rating for him, 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10, wow. Um, let's do another audio review. Uh, this is our good friend Alex Kingdom. Hello, Gary and Alan from the Big Blue Box Podcast. Now, Vincent and the Doctor, the greatest Doctor Who episode ever, in my opinion. Now, you could be like, Alex, it's overrated. Uh, to me, it speaks to me in a way that other stories don't. Now, I think the actor that played Vincent was absolutely fantastic. Matt Smith and Karen Gillian were great. But the thing that I like about this is the ending. And yes, it made me cry. Because the fact is, Vincent in those times was judged just because he, ha- he was a bit mental. And yet, I, suffering from mental disabilities myself, that touched me, and even though this is the true story, and obviously he didn't go to uh, see his future works, that scene accompanied with the music itself, it's just glorious, and that shows that even, uh, was it Richard Curtis, was that the name, who wrote Mr Bean, it shows that writers can be diverse, and I think that this story is something that when you look at Doctor Who, this is one you should go to watch, without a doubt, this story, it's just beautiful everything about it. Um, the Grafeus is even a villain that you care about. I mean, oh my god. You feel so sorry for the Grafeus and oh brilliant. I Oh god, I'm tearing up now guys. It's speaking on it, but yeah. It's brilliant. See you guys all next week. Thank you very much, Alex. Cheers Alex. He knows how to pronounce it. See Grafeus. Grafeus. <laughs> yeah. Oh cool, yeah. Thanks very much Alex. Um some really good words there, mate. Uh, Martin, Bad Wolf Havel. Oh. Uh, he says, beautiful. I would recommend this episode to people who haven't seen Doctor Who. Uh, that's a good point, actually. He'd probably throw this one in there to see more of the emotional side of Who. Uh, yeah. He says, I was uh, deeply ashamed of other podcasters at the time who made fun of the service announcement at the end. What was that? Not sure. So let us know, Martin. Hmm. The service um, announcement. I'm trying to think what that would have been. Yeah, let us know, buddy. Uh, Lewis Palmer says in my opinion it's the best 11th Doctor story Uh, the regulars give great performances as usual but Tony Curran is the highlight as Vincent he gives one of the best performances of the new series Uh, I like how the show didn't hold back and really show how badly Van Gogh was treated the museum scene was pitch perfect the use of chances by athlete was a great choice and it's such a well done emotional scene for me this was the last time that emotions didn't feel forced and unnatural in Doctor Who 9.5 Mm. 9.5 out of 10 utterly brilliant story love it great stuff Adam Petty uh, this is my favourite episode of Doctor Who a 
beautiful story uh, about Vincent van Gogh and his problem with depression. Uh, the Crof- oh my day. Crofaeus. <laughs> the Crofaeus is a very interesting villain who can only be seen by Van Gogh. The ending of this episode is very emotional and heartwarming. Seeing Vincent's eyes light up when he sees his paintings was fantastic. Uh, George Coppen says, pretty good episode. Really like the idea of the alien only Vincent can see. Uh, can't remember what it's called. Um, for your information, George, it's called a Crofaeus. Yeah. <laughs> but I do have to confess when I go and watch series five, this isn't the episode I usually go for. So seven out of ten. Uh, ben Smith says, one of the best of all time, incredibly emotional and mature. All of uh, all the characters are superbly, are superb, especially Van Gogh. I feel it would be even better without the monster. But even so, it's sensational. Ten out of ten. Excellent. Uh, we are getting through these now, I promise. Uh, Fionn Walsh says, very good and simplistic story. Really like the idea of a monster only Van Gogh can see. All the cast were very good. 7.5. And lastly on Facebook, Richard Davis says, the monster was terrible um, and Matt Smith's performance was appalling as always. What? what? Four out of ten. Yes. I, I, well, I can't agree about the Matt Smith thing. I know a lot of, some people just don't, get on board with Matt uh, but I think he's great yeah that's fair enough everyone you know yeah you know, we've all got our own doctors haven't we exactly yeah mm. um, and let's do an audio review um, uh, this is our good friend uh, Loopy Lou such a lovely lovely episode it cleverly uses the world of the doctor to look at how depression affects a person it's a brilliant analogy the invisible monster mirrors the invisible nature of mental illness Tony Curran was exceptional. They really needed a top actor like him playing that part. There are so many special moments and of course the extremely sad, poignant ending when we realise even the Doctor can't save Vincent van Gogh. I can't think of anything negative to say. Even Amy Pond didn't annoy me in this episode. So for top-notch storytelling, I give this a 9.5 out of 10. Thanks, Lou. She agrees with you, 9.5. 9.5, indeed. Uh, Did we have anything on your Geek's Handbag page? We did. Um, Corey Swain says, great episode. Pippa Pipkins Ashton says, one <laughs> of my faves. Butch Price says, great episode. Two exclamation marks on that one. Adam Tyler Lord Fishwick, it's a beautiful episode. I think we're getting a, getting a sort of theme here. Tom Greaves, he says, superb script. They handled mental illness sensitively. Yeah, which is not an easy thing to do, let's be fair. Yeah. Thomas Lee James Cave, haunting at the end and Amy's choice uh, also a brilliant gem, so he likes both of those. Simon Clark, this is a classic, very well thought out, and the acting was superb. Harry Walker says, best episode of Series 5 and certainly one of the best historical stories of all time. Truly beautiful and very emotional study of Van Gogh and his view of the world. And I love, love, love the Doctor's notion of life being a pile of good things and bad things. It's very poetic. He says it's an easy 10 out of 10 for him. Thank you, Harry. Cool. Uh, Nick Riches says, far and away, Matt Smith's... I'm just laughing, because isn't Nick your mate? Or am I thinking of someone else? Uh, who was that? Sorry, Nick? Nick Riches. Oh, no. Oh, no, no I'm it... thinking so. I thought I thought it defected. I think he's, he's, he's come over to my page. <laughs> he's a friend anyway, of the sorry. podcast, but not mine personally. Oh, <laughs> sorry, yeah. Um, Nick Riches, uh, thanks for coming, Nick. He says, far and away, Matt Smith's best episode. It makes me cry every time I watch it. On one level, it makes me think of the impact we all have on the world without even knowing it. That's true. On another level, sometimes things can't be changed regardless of what you do or the power you have. It's also visually stunning, beautifully cast and very well written. Totally agree. Thanks, Nick. 
cool. And finally, bear with me, it's this slight long one, but it's a great comment from Stephen McCullough, the brilliant Hootuber Vote Saxon 07. He says, why can't every episode of Doctor Who be like this? It's historic, but tries not to gloss over the harsh realities of Van Gogh's struggle with depression. We get some laughs, like Amy attempted to get into paint sunflowers, but it's all very well written and serious story. The idea of an invisible monster was born with... Shulky, I'm not sure how you say that, 1950s B-movies, but the acting and effects make it believable and it really tries, ties in with the story in a creative manner. We also get some semblance of fallout, you're, you're testing me here, semblance of fallout following Rory's death, even if it's subtle and it's not like the events of the previous episode are just forgotten. And as for the ending where Van Gogh ends up in his own gallery in the present day and overhears Bill Nye's speech, the music, direction and acting meld together perfectly, which manages to give us purely emotional moment and all threat of cheesiness is crushed by the fact that even this, even knowing that his work would be appreciated centuries after his death, he still took his own life. A beautiful episode which raises the bar for all the episodes set in the past with a historical figure. Nothing has come close to it before or since. Stephen's given it five out of five or ten out of ten, I would assume. Whichever nice. you want. Yeah. So thank you, Stephen. Yeah, and I agree with a lot of that, mate. Well, in fact, I pretty much agree with all of it. Indeedy. Yeah. So yeah, pretty positive stuff there. Just the one negative, wasn't it? Yeah. So all in all, that's like like I think the average score was nine out of ten, I think. Yeah, pretty or, much. Or yeah. Eight point five if you want to get technical, but mm. really good stuff. Thanks, guys. Uh, what we're going to do next week? We're going to go back, way back again. We're going to go back. Go <laughs> yeah, we're doing the third Doctor. So we haven't, seen, haven't watched the third Doctor in a while, have we? Third Doctor story: the Claws of Axos. Uh-huh. The Claws of Axos. Yeah. Wow. I haven't watched that for years. That's a good point. We haven't done a um, we haven't done a Pertwee story in a while. That's the one with the golden yellow guys, isn't the it? Goldie. <laughs> <laughs> the gold and yellow guys, yeah. Um, yes, so the last time we did Pertwee, man, it was a long time. Uh, it was May last year, believe it or not. My goodness me. Well, I'm ready for some Pertwee. Yes, it was Carnival of Monsters. Oh, wow. God, was that all that long ago? Wow. May last year. That's nearly, that not far off a year ago, really. Mm. Uh, so that's going to lo- be good. That is going to be good. It'd be great to see the lovely Katie Manning on screen. I love Katie Manning. So, yeah, looking forward to that. Claws of Axel's next week. <laughs> next week. And uh, I think we will wrap there, buddy. Okay. So that is episode uh, seventy nine. Nine. <laughs> seventy nine <laughs> done. I forgot for a moment there. <laughs> that is episode seventy nine done and in the back. Um, it's uh, we had some really good news stuff to go through today, um, uh, with the exception of um, the sad passing of uh, uh, of John. Um, but uh, some good stuff and some really good merch. Some really good merch coming up as well. Yes, there's some good stuff there. Yes. Um, and uh, thank you so much for sending in your thoughts and reviews as well for our episode this week, Vincent and the Doctor. Um, it's uh, it's one of those. Well, it, in, in, it must be a, a shared opinion, but it's one of those special episodes where um, everything seems to click into place. And uh, it was uh, 
it's been a, a real good one talking through that and reading your thoughts as well so thank you very much uh, looking forward to next week um, it's going to be great talking through uh, the Pertwee story the claws of Axos can't wait to do that um, seeing as we haven't done Pertwee in so long mm. uh, it's going to be great um, so head over to the website bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk uh, you can listen to this episode again plus all the previous ones and you can also subscribe there's links there to iTunes and all sorts uh, also check out our Twitter page and our Facebook page uh, Instagram and all that jazz uh, and follow us for all the quirky little bits and pieces and waffle that goes on when we're not recording that's it and but- also you can sign up to a newsletter now can't we Gary you can indeed my good friend yes so if you go to bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk forward slash subscribe, you can pop your email address in there and you can get a weekly update and summary and other little quirky bits uh, about the show. Uh, it's launching soon. I think it's going to be out in the next couple of weeks. But uh, get your name down on the list and you can receive a shiny em- uh, email to your inbox once a week. Remember to check out Adam's channel, uh, The Geek's Handbag, over on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, your last video was a, was a cracker. Loved looking through all of your stuff. Uh, Adam gives a really good tour of all of his, um, his, his extensive <laughs> clutter. Yeah, um, Some great stuff there, mate. You have to check it out. Cheers. Uh, until next time, we will see you on the other side. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember... Uh, uh, <laughs> Lonzy!